just a second, just making sure this thing's on. Let's go to Romans 6. I just didn't get released from the scripture. I feel like I'm in Romans 6 in my uh, Hebrews 12. When I was praying what God wanted to do, I feel like he was saying, stay here. Um, because if anybody knows me, I am uh, can talk long periods of time when I speak. I've done like five hour uh, sessions before. So 35 minutes last week was like, you got an introduction to Malvi Sarah. Let's just say that. So I'm uh, working within church to not go long and wear people out. So um, I was kind of excited to stay in the same message because there's a lot of stuff I could say on um, this text. But to be quite honest, I was like, God, what are you showing me? Because why, why, why are you uh, over and over showing me this scripture of dying with Jesus, being raised to life with Jesus? Because there's a lot of talk about sin in this text. And I'm like, man, speaking on sin is a really touchy subject because... I don't know, you know, that we, we tend to stay away from it because there can be condemnation that people take from it or we're scared to offend people. So uh, the church wants to, we like to sugarcoat things, right? We want people to take it down nice and pretty. Um, and I was like, God, I don't want to give a, a message that is like that because I know what it was like to walk into a message like that and I wasn't ready to hear it. I know what it was like to binge the night before doing drugs and show up to church. And if I heard a certain message, I couldn't receive it because I didn't know the love of God. And so when I heard that message, I took it in his condemnation, took it in his guilt, I took it in his shame. And sometimes you have to be careful in the spirit in, in which a message is presented because people can, can, can present a very doctrinally sound scripture text message that is wrapped up in a spirit of judgment and legalism from the teacher who is teaching it. You gotta be careful what we receive because every person that you listen to and receive messages from are indoctrinated. We all are indoctrinated. We all are. We all have our own beliefs. How we text, take scripture, I'm indoctrinated. We all are. So if you're somebody who likes to absorb, you want to go here, you want to hear teaching, just know in which it's being released to you, aware of a spirit that can be attached to what you're hearing. What is the filter that you hear a message from? Because if you have a filter on yourself of self-hatred, condemnation, guilt, and shame, then guess what? You're going to receive a certain message from somebody else, and you don't know in which the spirit on that person is preaching. Because there are people that like to preach messages in the church in order to control the church, in order to control people. And you can preach a message on something like this, man, and it could be released in judgment, could be released in condemnation. And so when I feel like God was keeping me here, he's like, there's power in this. There's power in exposing these things. There's power in the knowledge of what this truly means, and there's rest in it. I was like really picking up, man, what if, what if just the idea of working for God to love you is death inside of you? What if that is something that's keeping you bound? And, I, and then, you know, during worship, actually, okay, so I'm going to go here. That's funny. If I just got a message during worship, that's a potential. Um, I want to go real quick, Hebrews 12.1. Because when they were doing worship, I was hearing, let go of the things that easily ensnare you. So I'm like, God, if you're taking me to, 
text where we're really dealing with the sin, the things that are death in our lives, and we've been raised with Jesus, why are we not living in life? Here's the thing. People live in legalism of what sin is, that if I control my life over here, then I'm, are you live in Christ in that control? Or are you legalistic working for the Father? Because in the acknowledgement of what is death in you, what is sin in you, is going to cause rest and power, not works mentality and shame if you mess up. And I think what we can take from a message that if we're talking about the sin in our lives that causes death is that we got to go home and we think we sweep up the corners of our life. And what do you do? You probably sweep it into another corner. You stay in a boxed corner in your life. Where God works in that corner, you're feeling pretty good about yourself because you're working all this out. But then when something shoves you out of that corner, all of a sudden you're presented with the crap that's in your, your soul, in your heart, and in your mind. And there's darkness in there. There's things that don't bring intimacy. They don't breathe life. Is it because you need to work more at making your life pretty? Or is it because you don't know God at the level that life just breathes through us? That we're alive in him because we know him. Yeah. And I worked so hard and long and lived with the condemnation, man. I was a drug addict in Bible school. I was bound by antidepressants, put on stuff for being bipolar for like 10, 15 years. I was bound by these mindsets, these belief systems. That God created me that way. This is all okay. So if I clean this up nice and pretty... And fix this, God. I get off the drugs, then I'm, then I'm good. I'm kind of working in what I'm being taught in school. But man, the war in my life behind the scenes didn't make sense. There would just be like a seminar happening in my Bible school, and I'd end up in the hospital. Physically smashed. Had no idea why these things happened to me. I had no idea and understanding of the opposition on my life. The opposition on my life exposed what was keeping me from intimacy because I didn't believe God loved me because of what came against me. I couldn't comprehend the love of God if I was getting hit with a bat daily by the devil. And I didn't know it was the devil. God, I thought everything was God's will. I had no idea. The opposition on my life was because the enemy was so frightened of me living in the life that was on me. The life that was in me. Oh, he'll do everything to shut off the life in you. Whatever he can, he'll pull a gun on you, hit you in the back, do what he can to shut down what's in you by making what happens to you define who God is. Meaning what you encounter defines the Father. So what do we do? We clean up our life. Right? And then we live in a definition of what our life is and legalism and works. But hey, we look good and pretty. We look like we belong in church. Yet when the heart gets exposed, do you know the life that's really on the inside of you should cause rest, not work? I don't think I can explain how many years I have lived in a war just to stop. Meaning it was like I lived in war to find out I didn't have to. It's okay to be opposed. It's okay to have pushback in your life. I wouldn't know rest if I didn't know war. And you know what? I learned, I had a vision. God, I have the funniest visions. God gives me like really good 
I could like write like lots of messages just on funny visions I get. I don't know if this one's that funny, but um, God was showing me like, okay, I live in this life as if I'm in a war all the time. That's what I feel like. I mean, if I could tell you what would just happen to me when I first started this ministry to do like a living in freedom, I would not be able to get off of bed out of out of the couch for days. This happened to me leading up to this. I mean, still, still randomly happens to me. I get hit. I get hit. And I was like, but I knew something was in it because there's power in the hit because it exposes the heart. So I was like, there's something in this, God. What is this? What do you want to show me? Why is this so real? But I know your power over here. And so it showed me, it's like, you sit in this place and you are completely covered in a, like, protection of my spirit. But the vision was that I was in this glass bubble and outside the glass was a war. Like, imagine New Testament, the Israelites. You imagine them warring, you know, encountering, coming up on Israel, right? You, you have uh, like just any of them. And you just think of Jehoshaphat walking into a war, right? You have thousands of troops coming forward at you. He said, this is your life, but you are covered in a bubble. That war can't touch you, but you stare at it constantly. And it was until, and I know God's saying, until that becomes revelation to you, that you don't need to fight. If you even knew the hours that I have yelled and stomped around my apartment for years, like crazy, crazy talk, crap. Like seriously, people would be like, well, that chick, you got issues. I live alone. Nobody witnesses this. I will stop around yelling, taking authority, trying to like hit and hit and hit something that couldn't touch me. And I exhausted myself. And I taught these curriculums this way. You take authority, you deal with this. God, until it comes to the realization of what you already have. I don't do that anymore. I don't do it in prayer. I don't do it when I pray for people for deliverance. I'm not in a war. I still deal with stuff. I am not living a life fighting. Too many of us, you don't know how to fight. You've never fought. You need to learn how to fight because there are different stances in war. There is a season to fight. There's a season to receive. There's a season to sit. There's a season where you walk into promise. But man, to walk into that, if you don't put in some footing into war, you'll get taken out. You can't live in that place though. We cannot live in a space where we're fighting for our lives all the time. And we think that if we box it up pretty and we make things okay, that we're good. It's legalistic mentality that we work for somebody that we don't need to work for, and it's okay. I do truly believe that God has allowed me to feel the exhaustion of war so I would stop. I have a really good example. So I get hit by a lot of stuff doing deliverance ministry. And one of the things is I get hit with like exhaustion to where you literally feel like you cannot get out of bed. You cannot even like, I mean, it's just you're done. You would think something's wrong with my hormones or my hormones or something is off, right? I knew, I know it's not. I knew that it was something in the spirit. So I had endured stuff like that for years and years and years. Well, I had something come on me like for two months ago. Every day I was waking up and I could barely get up, fall back. Like it was just this thing on me. 
Finally, I don't know what takes me so long sometimes. <laughs> it took two months <laughs> the other day. I was like, but I feel like God's shown me this before. I don't know. Sometimes it just takes a little while like to learn something. That's why it's okay to have war. That's okay to have a pushback so you stop. It's okay. I just can't wait till the whole church gets a little pump of fire up your butt. Like, come on, let me in a church and let me just tell you, it's okay to get a fire up your butt. We need it, man. It is what exposes what's in us. Fire refines. And I'm like, I know the godly guts could so easily step in and fix it, right? It's God. Does it define he's not good? Because I still endured it in this ministry? I could mess with you, right? How do I live in a place of knowing that this God's faithful? you got to know him. you got to encounter him. you got to experience power. We do not work for him. It is done. Amen. And I was like, it's, it's so I was going into this place. I was like, God, what is this exhaustion? Is there something? And I just heard your mind. I'm not really a minister that says, God told me this, this, and this. And here's why. You can get very sticky with that. And it puts us in a place of being God. We can say we sensed God. I feel God said that. But I try to stay away unless I am so dead on when I got something and I'm, God told me this. But I've received so much condemnation from messages like that from people in ministry because you think you can't hear like they do. So here's one thing I've learned with God's voice. When what I hear is like so out of the blue, but yet makes sense, it's usually him. I was not thinking my mind had to do with the exhaustion, okay? So when I heard my mind, I was like, ah, that's not the devil. <laughs> right? It was like, that kind of created instant revelation because I was like, what is that? What do you mean my mind? I had to press into that. So I was like, God, what do you mean by that? You're looking at a desolate land, Sarah. Since he was saying, what you're looking at in your life is creating an exhaustion as if you are wandering a desolate land. Do you understand that the mind can have death in it? What you look at can carry death. Your body can respond to death. It wasn't that those things had so much reality in my life. They had no reality. But I focused on a giant that created a mindset, kept me in the spirit, opening a door to exhaustion, a spirit of exhaustion. Because my mind was not aligned with the life of Jesus. It's like, so, Father, then what do I do? Because this has been something for a couple years. i got to stop looking, carrying a fence, carrying whatever it is that keeps me looking at something that you've moved past. You're not supposed to be in that place anymore. So many people, you don't even know you were in a place, out of a place. It's just your mind goes to darkness. We all have it. Areas that we look at, reminders of things. Oh my gosh, the best example would be somebody who got out of a horrible, horrible marriage or a horrible relationship, yet something in them tells them there was something good about it. And it's a lie from the devil. When somebody was freed, they were set free from something, the enemy reminds them and tells them it's better than it was when it never was. What do you think about Lot's wife to look back at Sodom and Gomorrah? A horrible place of death, of sin. 
Don't look at it. You're done. You're free. And she turns around and becomes salt. How do we do this in our own lives? How do we look at things that are for us? So I was like, God, what do, I, what do I do? Look at my son. Oh, God, come on, give me a better answer. <laughs> right? Oh, I don't even want to admit that, okay? What does that mean? Look at the son. Look at Jesus. How do I do that, God? You are alive in him. You breathe his life. No, my son. Enter into prayer looking just at Jesus. So I get this sense of if you don't, enter into a space with Jesus in your prayer life, well, you're going to be off. If you think that you just talk to God, you're just ministering the Holy Spirit, but you don't realize that Jesus can be standing right next to you in the Spirit in his body. His body can be everywhere now. It's in the Spirit. If you don't know what to look at as God's face, Jesus is God's face. That is how God humanized himself to us so that we could become in relationship to him. If people have a hard time encountering that God that's unseen to them because maybe they haven't experienced power, they don't understand the word intimacy, it freaks them out. Then ask God, show you Jesus. So I just would sense Jesus' presence. Like my apartment, ask him where? How many try hard to get to know God? How many of us are willing to try hard? Sometimes people just don't want a message that shoves us, them into more because they're so good at sitting pretty, wrapped up in a bow of legalistic works. In 30 minutes of talking to a God they never encountered. They wants to encounter them, is asking to encounter them. Yet they box up that they work for him. We box up that we work for him. We take scripture, we define it in our minds and our hearts, and we choose to know what we want to know through human wisdom, through human knowledge, through past experiences, through people present in your life, through teachers, through parents. That's what God gets boxed into. It's happening everywhere. And until we get to a space where it's okay to encounter this God, that sin's no longer alive because you just rest. You just stop working. And it's like, God's just like, what are you looking at? I needed you, experience, you to experience exhaustion so that you knew you need to look at me. What if there were things in our lives where God was just saying, it's to shove you into my arms. It's to get you to redirect. Yet we could take a message that's presented that has to do with what's darkness and sin and death in our life and let it breathe guilt and condemnation instead of it breathing purity and life and power in which it was purposed at the cross. That's what it was purposed at the cross, was that you would live a life of power as his body, as his hands, as his feet. Because what I... See, and what I've done my whole life is I took part of scripture and I lived part of scripture. And I lived the part that I could make sense in my mind. And then when the other part was presented to me and it didn't make sense, I went Ki-ki, like that. How many of us do that? Or, or what we do, we take doctrine or how we've been taught something and we go take another scripture that we combat the truth in the other one. 
is how you get in a war with using the Bible, religion. How many little fights between scripture this and scripture that? Oh, this is no, this is against this. No, you're fitting what works in your mind to not let it be alive in you through revelation. Because there are levels of revelation. There's not just one to, to, to a text. You don't just take a text and believe that. Think that you got a rebel and that's it. No, no. Man, I've gone through levels of understanding in text that I was like, in this season of my life, this breathed and birthed this life. And then in this season, I got crushed over here. And man, that text went to a whole nother level of understanding and truth and life. And until you are able to see scripture, his word through his son, it will not breathe life. It will breathe legalism and works and exhaustion. Because Jesus is power. He's life. He's rest. And I was like, I honestly, I said, probably within a couple years ago, I told people, like, there is no way that I can continue doing this ministry, ever get married, ever have children, live life. I can't because of what I was enduring and what I would face in the spirit. Yet I was anointed to do what I was doing. So I couldn't put it over there. I was good at that. I was drawn to that. But this life over here was hell. I was like, I'm never going to have a normal life. I'm not going to live like that. Oh, the power within what I've endured. Oh, the power of what it's taught me. It can teach you to rest and to stop. And that's not in you. You have no power in your own. He is everything. And I've gotten pressed into times where, like, just a testing of this. I didn't know what the heck I was going to talk about tonight. Like, seriously. I kind of have an idea, but I don't, I don't really know. Okay. And uh, God started taking me to that, like, a year ago, where you're going to have no idea what you're going to talk about. And if I tried to figure it out, my mind would get shut down. So I'm a big studier. Like, I love to um, pull stuff apart and uh, dig, weirdly, okay? If people saw it, it's like, you have like lots, of, like lots of crap everywhere, and I can go at them all at the same time. It's how I clean my apartment, too. <laughs> clean every room at the same time. It's part of how my mind, it works. So I'm used to like doing the studying and stuff, so when God would shut me down and say, I'm gonna teach you, you do not work for me. A lot of preachers might have a problem with that. God would tell you, don't study for your message on Sunday. Hey, do that. Me and my dad got a little spat about it. I'm raised in a pastor's home. My dad is the biggest studier. I mean, he is the one that shoved conviction in me into studying, okay? This guy spends hours and hours and hours, and he just has a lot of knowledge in him. And that's what's taught me. Like, don't just go, you know, and now I kind of do. I don't have all this stuff that I used to. Okay, all my, you know, things. And I always was really big on it. And so I was like, when I started getting shut down and I knew God was taking me to this place where you're going to learn, you don't work for me, Sarah. You don't. And I don't mess with you when he shuts you down in things that you think make sense to get you where you want to go. And so I remember being at lunch and he was like, my dad was like, what are you talking about? Oh, and I don't know, I was, I was doing some event or something and I was like, I didn't want to tell him because I knew he was going to be a little problem. So I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, we're just going to see. God's going to do something. He goes, that's stupid. <laughs> I was like, that's how, that's how my dad talked back to me about it. He's like, that's just stupid. He's like, how, I can, you know, imagine me doing that. I, to my congregation, I'm like, I, have, I don't know. This is what Jesus says to me. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Like, I literally am going to walk up and, 
and grub. And do you know a place of trust you get shoved into to stand in front of a bunch of people and have no idea what you're going to say? That was between me and God. Are you going to choose me and trust that it's me, not you? Get your grubby little hands off your ministry. Get your hands off of it. Oh, but he did it to me kind of nicely. It slowly started to happen. He at least allowed me to have a pretend curriculum. And then I would still not feel, what am I, I don't feel like I'm even, what am I going to do? What am I going to try? And I have a whole other message. He started teaching me, it's not about you. Then this past year, he started removing things that I would fall back on. Worship. Who was going to do worship with me? Who was going to be alongside me to do prayer? When are you going to learn it's not about you? When are we going to learn that we are a church aligned with his spirit? There's no control of us. We got no power. It's all his power. Oh, when we get to that space, that's walking in the spirit. Never in my life did I understand to that level what we can tap into by the life that's on the inside of us. I'm just getting a little glimpse of it. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm not stopping. I just got a little glimpse, and I've been in a war for a really long time. And I finally just started, whoa, stop. That's crazy. It took me, what, 37 years to stop. Some people, are you guys a slow learner? Is it okay to get shoved back in order to get revelation? Is it okay to endure things in order to get to know him more? Starting to let, learn that what is alive on the inside of us comes to life when the old is removed. It says it's like Ephesians 4, I think 22, to throw off the old self. What does it mean to throw off? What if throwing off felt really good? What if throwing off is a lot easier than we think? What if throwing off was just stopping and realizing you are not employed by God? We are aligned with him. We don't have to work for him. What happens when we just enter into realizing that where our mind goes takes us into darkness? leads us into sin. There are people that I could help walk into life, you know, deliverance or something, try to, but you just got a magnet on you that is drawn to evil. There are people that have that on the inside of them, meaning that they want God. They want him, they want him, they want him. But yet there's death that pulls them aside. And what is done behind doors, what is done in people's lives outside of what looks pretty is where the magnet is at work and the heart is not submitted to him. Yet, how can we live in blame that the life and power is not a life within us when we haven't chosen it? We haven't chosen to want to know it. It comes down to the decision within the heart and what we want. And I think too many times I was taught God was a certain way. I was heard certain things, but I hadn't experienced him like that. And I didn't know because of what I saw in my life that he really was a God of love that I could not comprehend. What was it to know that God? And I think that when we enter into understanding scripture, understanding what things mean that we want to put aside, because either it doesn't make sense to us, or it's too much, and we attach judgment to it. We attach God judging us in fear and making something become reality through power and peace and truth, rather than guilt, condemnation, and works. 
When we become people that just live in him, man, we're just going to bring people to him through what we live in. That place of ease, of rest, of love. Not the war, the fight, the exhaustion. Maybe I'll read one text. <laughs> I didn't read anything. Oh, that's funny. Okay. What are we? Uh, so I'm going to do Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are... Oh, you know what? Hold on. I'm in a weird... Not weird, but I'm in King James. <laughs> I want to go to NLT real quick. Okay. Um, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, I've heard different people, you know, translate. I haven't done enough study on this. This is going to be just my opinion. That we're, we're surrounded by the witnesses that were worth before us, that lived a life of faith. People in scripture, disciples, apostles, were surrounded by the testimonies of how they lived. Yet very few of us live that way. None of us do, let's be honest. <laughs> None of us are living the way they did back then. We're not. We traveling on foot, doing missionary work with nothing, no marriage, no money, not taking even tithes, still doing his tent making, Paul, if people martyred upside down, hung on crosses. We are surrounded by the faith that was in those people. We're surrounded by people who came face to face with Jesus. We are surrounded by the testimonies of that. So he says, um, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I absolutely believe that when we realize that we can have weights within our life that slow us down from running at something with endurance when you face and fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that it is finished. And I remember God so many times telling me, Sarah, it's finished. Meaning, things that you still wore, everything has been finished in the spirit. Jesus has finished your faith, but here's the thing. He is the author of your faith, but there are things within your life that are death that you must walk through to produce the life of what he has finished, which is that you are a faith being, that you walk in faith, Everything you do is in this place of trust and belief, not unbelief, no matter what you encounter. So it's finished in the spirit, but because of what we live in in the natural, there are things that we must walk in into death in order to produce this life. How does it come? By fixing our eyes on him who has finished it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. And a lot of us don't know how to fix our eyes because we can't have encountered him. What does it mean to encounter him? If anything that this message is supposed to stir up in the spirit is that people get ready to encounter. People get open to encounter. People get willing to go deeper, to know him, to go to that level that the apostles, that the disciples were willing to go, to get driven to that space. Because, man, Jesus is waiting to come home. Scott said something so good that one week that was like, if you... Don't want to spend Jesus since he said to him, Jesus, or God said to you, I'm not going to botch this. Hopefully, you can tell me if I do. If you don't want to spend time with me now, what makes you think you're going to want to spend eternity with me? Talking about his relationship with Jesus. 
man. Woo, that's good. If we don't want to know him now, what makes us think that we want to know him and want to be with him then? Are you skirting in under the door to heaven? Bam. <laughs> Bam, I'm done. Okay. Uh, I'll hand you a flower, hit you with a bat. I know that's how my messages always are. I'm like, God, this is always, always, always. I'm always like, why, why, why do I get the, the hard, hard messages? Because I want to see power. And these things produce power. They produce power and life in the body. It's how we receive these messages that will keep you from life. That's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, 